For our Bible reading this morning, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13, beginning at verse 1. Let brotherly love continue. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember them that are in bonds as bound with them, and them would suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. Marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have, for he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken in you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Be not afraid, be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats which have not profited them which have been occupied therein. We have an altar whereof they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle. For the body of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. Wherefore Jesus also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood suffered without the gate. Let us go forth, therefore, unto him without the gate, bearing his reproach. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is, the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves so they watch for yourselves as they that must have an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Pray for us, for we trust we have a good conscience in all things willing to live honestly. But I beseech you rather to do this, that I may be restored to you the sooner. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And I beseech you, brethren, Suffer the word of exhortation, for I have written a letter unto you in few words. Know you that our brother Timothy is set at liberty, with whom, if he come shortly, I will see you. Salute all them that have the rule over you, and all the saints. They of Italy salute you. Grace be with you all. Amen. Reading Hebrews 13, verses 1 through 25. Praise the Lord. Let us pray. Our precious Lord and our God, we thank Thee that Thou hast given us this day to come together as Thy people, to hear Thy word and to call upon Thy name, and for the gracious opportunity for You to speak to our hearts by Thy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ. And we pray that Christ will be lifted up in our hearts this morning and praise and thanksgiving will go out unto thee for thy glory and thy beauty and thy majesty, thy holiness, 
all of thy great and glorious attributes. We pray that they will be manifested and adored and magnified in our eyes this morning. And our Father, we do pray that you would have mercy upon us and keep us by thy Spirit. We long to worship thee in the beauty of holiness. We long to follow thee with all that we are and all that we have. We have given ourselves wholly and completely unto thee, thou art our Lord. Thou art our Savior and thou art our Redeemer. Thou art the great triune God, our Father, and our Savior and our Comforter. And we desire to know more about you. We desire this morning as we come to worship to ever walk closer and closer with thee and to commune with thee from above the mercy seat as we come in the name of Christ. And then like, like Enoch, we will walk with God continually, offering up the sacrifices of praise and of thanksgiving. My Father, we praise thee for this past week. We praise thy name for every attack of Satan. We thank thee for every affliction and trial that thou didst have us to go through with. But also we thank thee for thy goodness and thy mercies that followed us. And our Father, how thou didst give us victory over the evil one as he sought to turn, turn us back and to turn us away from Christ and the truth. Lord, he's a wicked is a wicked devil, full of wickedness. The evil one is what you call him. And our Father, we do pray that as we've come together this morning that you will beat back every attack of Satan, that our hearts will go out to thee, that you'll lift our spirits up to thy throne of grace. Our Father, we do pray that you will deal with each and every heart You'll draw our thoughts in from the world. And you'll give each and every one of us what we need this morning by thy grace. And that thy word will find a hiding place in our heart. Father, take us as we are and work in us is our cry. Have mercy upon those that are sick. We pray for that you'll have mercy upon those, our Father, who've gone weary in the way of well-doing. Will you pray that they will triumph and go on and not fall back? We do pray, our Heavenly Father, for our dear brother Frank Maxim and his family in Zambia, that you'll be with them, lead them and guide them, and their hearts, my Father, will be more and more blessed by thee as they more and more have communion with thee. We ask for a pure heart this morning, for clean hands that we may worship thee in the beauty of holiness. We may follow thee with all that we are. For it is in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Let's go back again to the book of uh, Hebrews. Let us read verses 10 through 16. Hebrews 13, 10. We have an altar whereof they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle. For the body of those beasts which blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Let us go forth, therefore, unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. By him, Jesus Christ our Lord, therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. 
but to do good and to communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. The Apostle was fixing to close this epistle to the Hebrews scattered abroad. It was written for one purpose, the whole book. And that was to show these individuals, these Jews, these Hebrews, who had come out of Judaism and out of the temple worship and out of the sacrifices still offered upon the altar. He wrote this to show that all of these things had been done away with and fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he goes through the book and shows that Christ was better than man, he's better than angels, he's better than Moses, better than Aaron, better than Joshua, he's better than all of the sacrifices were offered upon Jewish altars, and went on to show them that the Lord Jesus Christ had fulfilled all the law, had kept it in perspective, had gone to the cross and died for them. For it was, by, it was not by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. He entered in once in the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. But at the blood of bulls and of goats and of hashes and of ephah, clean, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifieth the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? He told them to go back to Judaism is <clears throat> to go back to the type and the shadows, that which Christ, which typified Christ. Christ had come, and the offering had been made once and for all. And that's what he said in, in Hebrews 10. He said God was not satisfied with the sacrifices that had been offered <clears throat> because they could not take away sin. And those sacrifices were, were repeated year after year and had to be that he would look pass over and look over the people's sins for another year. But he said God had sent Christ and he had came and he had offered his own body once and for all, for the, for the purifying of the flesh, for the washing away of sin, for the <clears throat> offering of one sacrifice for that, he, that we might be sanctified, and that for them to return back to Judaism would be going back to that which God had put aside and no longer looked to. And then he gave and showed in the 11th chapter how their forefathers had walked and lived by faith, trusting the living God, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, and that's exactly what he wanted us to do. And then as he was coming to the close of this epistle, he starts and tells us in verse 10 of chapter 13, that every believer has an altar whereof those who still serve Judaism and still serve the tabernacle and still serve <coughs> the feast days and the fast days of the Old Testament laws, and they had no right to eat at this altar, no right to come and sacrifice at this altar, for they depended still upon all of those beasts that had been sl slain, continually slain, up until that time. And he said, because these beasts, when they were slain, had to be taken outside of the camp and there burned, then he began to bring it in back to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ again in verse 12, he says, Wherefore, 
Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people, the fulfilling of the type of going outside the camp and burning the, the, the offering, the burnt offering being made before God, the sin offering, and every offering being made out there to sanctify the people by his blood, he went outside of the gate, outside of the camp, which pictures the world, and suffered without the gate. Then he encourages us in verse 13. He encouraged them. He said, let us go forth, therefore. Where? Unto him without the camp, to Christ. Let us go outside the world, and let's go out there and let us be, <clears throat> let's bear his reproach. For listen, brethren, he says in verse 14, here we have no continuing city. We have no place, a constant boat of a place here. All is transient. It's passing away. And we claim to be strangers and pilgrims upon the earth. And therefore we seek a country to come where the Lord Jesus Christ is. And our heart is there with him. He's with us. Then it brings us to our text this morning, verses 15 and 16. He tells us that by him, by Christ, Jesus the Lord, by Jesus who had gone, sanctified himself and went outside of the gate, outside of the camp, and there suffered for his people, he became both the altar, the sacrifice, and the sacrificer. All three things our Lord Jesus was that day. It was upon the altar of his own body, himself, that the sacrifice was offered. What sacrifice was that? the offering of himself to God without spot that he might purge us from all iniquity and all sin. And then who was it? He says, I lay down my life of myself. No man, no man takes it from me. I lay it down that I may take it up again. He was the one at his own altar himself offering himself the sacrifice unto God and therefore he is our altar to whom we come. He is the throne of grace. He is everything. And so he was telling them, and he tells us, Therefore let us go outside of the camp bearing his reproach, and by him we have an offering to offer. We have a sacrifice to offer. You left the, the altar of Judah and the temple but he says you still have an altar to go to the altar's not done away with Christ is that altar he said let us go to him therefore without the camp bearing his reproach and when we come to this altar when we come to Christ we have a sacrifice to offer it's not a beast Look what he says. Let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is, the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. He said, that's what we have to offer. And that's what God is well pleased with. He's well pleased with the sacrifice of our praise continually. The sacrifice <clears throat> of ourselves unto him continually as we praise him and give him glory. I tell you what brought this message on. And I, I looked other places for other texts this week but never could get away. I came, finally came back to this one. Last weekend from Saturday to Monday afternoon, Tuesday morning, I've been in the Lord quite a few decades, but I've never wrestled with a polyon like I did last weekend. I mean, you know, polyon of revelation, the devil himself, Satan. 
And when God gave me Victory Tuesday morning, I had got my Knave's topical Bible down in the early morning hour and looked up the word praise. It's all written out there for you. And I just began to go over the scriptures and, and see what the scriptures teach about praise to God. And my heart was overwhelmed with love and adoration and thanksgiving unto him for who he was and what he was and what he had done. I couldn't help but praise him. And deliverance came by the sacrifice of praise that I offered upon the altar. And it went up to him as a sweet-smelling savor in his nostrils. And it's been like that all week. So therefore, this is what, it, what, what we've come to now. So he gave you that introduction. Our message is about the sacrifice of praise offered up on the altar who is Christ. And these praises God are well pleased with. The spirit of praise, the spirit of thanksgiving, he is well pleased with. And that's what he indicates in all of this. I'll go over it one more time. We have an altar, verse 10. What use are we to make of that altar? The answer is we're to offer sacrifice thereon. Jesus has sanctified his people with his blood, verse 12. And what is this purpose for? The answer is to draw nigh to God as our only <clears throat> the only God to worship. We come as worshipers before God, and that's what he delights in. Then we go to verse 14. We must go forth with Christ and outside the camp. That is the world. What then? What is our attitude toward those who despise and reject us when we go outside of the camp? Is it to be malice? Are we to hate them? Or are we to love them? Well, verse 16 brings that out, and that's another part of the message, if we can get to it this morning, it is this. But to do good and to communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. Verse 15 is the first part of the law. It's vertical. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and soul and mind and strength. Though that is the sacrifice that we offer, that we offer unto God, a sacrifice of praise to God continually, giving the fruit of our lips, giving thanks in his name. And then in verse 16 is the horizontal giving glory to God by not forgetting to be good and to communicate to those that are without and those that are within such sacrifices God is well pleased with as God gives us the opportunity to be <clears throat> good unto all men to help all men especially those of the household of faith So when we look at this verse of Scripture this morning that God has laid upon our hearts, we look and see that he has told us to come with the sacrifice of praise to God. I want you to notice that he doesn't say that we'd offer the sacrifices like they did three times a day upon the Jewish altars or once a week, or once a month. But our heart should be in an attitude of praise to God. What's the word he uses? Continually. Wouldn't you love to live in that atmosphere, in that place of communion with God, where you're offering up the sacrifice of praise unto him 
continually. Not just once in a while, but it is something that is continuous. Offering up that praise and that thanksgiving unto him. There are two or three places in the scriptures where he talks about <clears throat> the believer offering up that sacrifice. He tells us in, uh, in Psalm 51, 17, that the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. He wants us to bring that when we come. And that is the sacrifice of a broken spirit. By the grace of God to stay in that place of being a broken soul before God. In a place of a contrite heart before him. And God said he would not despise it. Well, how can a man be happy? How can a man be joyous if he is offering the sacrifices of a broken heart? Well, beloved, let me tell you something. The best times in all the world. It's when we are before him, praising him and thanking him for the sacrifice that he made for us in Christ and that we have one to whom we can come continuously. And when our hearts are broken and when our spirits are contrite and when we are broken down before him in repentance and faith as we come to him, God will not despise this. This is a sacrifice unto him. He wants us to offer it unto him daily. It is the devotion, the adoration of our hearts and our lives. And then again, the record is that the believer, is, the believer presents unto God of an, an offering of Christ each day. He offers an offering every day unto Christ. And that is, by an act of faith and by an act of repentance, he comes to him. He comes to Christ, who is the altar, for he has a need of a physician continuously. I feel sorry for these people who do not feel that they have a need of a physician continuously. I have a need. And when I need a physician, I want to get to him. I never will forget, this will be impressed upon my mind, as long as I live. It was Saturday, January the 2nd, 1999. I'd been feeling bad all week. That morning I woke up. I felt like I had fever. I felt like I was coming down with something. I went to get a haircut. It was dreary and dark and cold. First real cold spell had come in. I'd stopped and got gas. I'd come home chilled to the bone. And the further I went into the day, I began to get the shakes. The further I went into the day, my fever began to go up to 102. And I began to hunt for a doctor. You know why? I needed one. And when I found one, I'll call Brother Daniel and ask him, would he come get me and take me? They said, well, all, all of the emergencies at the hospital are filled. You're not going to get waited on there for a long time. Perhaps you can get in sooner if you go up to one, our <clears throat> altar up on Davis. So I went up there and still had to wait three hours, but I was determined to see a physician. Why? I was in need of one. And, Brother, I'm in need of a physician continuously. And so are you. So we come before him and we, <clears throat> we come by faith for we feel and acknowledge our transgressions and we feel and acknowledge and know that he was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities and that he has, he has come and took our place. He endured the wrath of God for us and therefore I want to come and hide myself in him. I need him. I must have him. And therefore, I go to him. He's my priest. And as my priest, 
I pour out my heart before him. For he understands all about me. He is the priest that can be touched with the feeling of my infirmities. And then he talks in the scripture about another sacrifice. And that is given to us in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable <coughs> service. We present our bodies unto Christ as we come to God through him. We recognize and acknowledge, I am no longer mine. I've been bought with a price. I've been bought with the price of, of Christ's precious blood. And therefore I give myself wholly and completely unto him. I'm his purchased property. God owns me in so many ways. Did you know that? I belong to Christ by creation. He created me. I belong to Christ by regeneration. He regenerated me by his spirit. I belong to Christ in conversion because he gave me repentance and faith to trust him. I belong to Christ by redemption for he redeemed me by his own precious blood. I belong to Christ by adoption for he adopted me into his family as an adult child of God. What greater thing could that be? And you belong to him in so many different ways. And that's the reason when we come to him, we crown him Lord. And we desire to follow him, for he is <coughs> our Lord, our master. He's the, the altar to which we come. And we desire to fall at his feet and worship him. And so the... The, the fourth one, the fourth sacrifice he mentions in the scriptures then is the one of our text this morning. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifices of praise to God continually. That is, the fruit of our lips given thanks to his name. This is the use we make of him as our altar. This is the use we make of him as our sacrifice for the redemption of our sins. What do we do? We come to praise him. We come and give him glory. We come to offer up the fruit of our lips, which is praise and thanksgiving unto him. Did you know that nothing pleases God any more than for us to praise him? to give him glory, to live in a place and an attitude of thanksgiving and praise. I tell you what this did for me. When I began to look up all of those scriptures and began to read them and meditate upon <clears throat> praising God, I uh, murmured and complaining went out the window. Praise and, th and, and thanksgiving and murmuring and complaining can't stay in the same heart together. That's where they went. And that's why God wants us to. We owe him this sacrifice. We're to offer this sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. This is the use we are to make of our altar. Offering this sacrifice. The worship which the Christian presents unto God is the sacrifice of praise. Nothing is more pleasing to God. Nothing is more honoring to God than the praise of a renewed heart, a regenerated heart, a new heart made so by the grace of God, giving him praise and thanksgiving from where he brought him and what he gave him and how he gave him all that he did because he bought it. Bought, bought, it, bought all that for him at the cross. Then I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 145. And let's see what praise does. Psalm 145. 
Why do we want to praise him? For the same reason that David praised him in this psalm, which is a called a psalm of praise. We want, to, we, want to, we want to praise him because he has given us a vital experimental acquaintance with himself. He has come and taken up his abode in our heart. He lives there. And we desire to walk with him. And if the sacrifices of our lips and our heart brings glory to him, then I desire to offer it, to praise him and thank him for all things that come into my heart and my life, praising him for who he is, thanking him for what he's done for us. Watch each verse as it brings out a distinct, the distinct excellencies of Christ, of God's being, and the, the character of his attributes, which are brought out in this 145th Psalm, which, as I said, called the Psalm of Praise. The psalmist started off by saying in verses 1 through 3, I will extol thee, my God, O King, and I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day will I bless thee, and I will praise thy name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. Then beginning with verse 5. He says this. He starts In verse 4, he said, One generation shall praise thy works to another, and shall declare thy mighty acts. In other words, we praise God for his mighty acts. We give glory to him by praising him for his mighty acts that we have seen and known and read about and heard about even those things which he had worked in our own heart. And then in verse 5, he says, I will speak of the glorious honor of thy majesty and of thy wondrous works. One place we declare the mighty acts. In another place, we declare his wondrous works. As we, as we praise him. The psalmist said that he would speak of the glorious honor of the majesty of God. And beloved, can we offer a better sacrifice than this, than giving glory to God for his majesty, for his beauty, and for his glory? Am I speaking a strange language to you? This is not strange. This is experimental. This is what God does for us. This is how he wants us to come and offer <clears throat> ourselves unto him. I will speak of the glorious honor of thy majesty and of thy wondrous works. And look, look, look when he gets to verse 6. And men shall speak of the might of thy terrible acts. And he says, the psalmist said, I will declare thy greatness, the greatness of our God, to do anything. Have you just praised him and give him glory for his greatness? And then look at verse 7. They shall abundantly utter the memory of thy great goodness and shall sing of thy righteousness, of thy righteous acts. How long could you spend 
in the presence of the Lord in bringing to mind the memory of God's great goodness toward you. Can you praise him for that? Where would you be this morning if God had not called you by his grace? Where would you be this morning if God's goodness had not followed you all the days of your life? Where would you be this morning if God's goodness had not gone before and prepared the great way of salvation? Every memory of the goodness of God, the great goodness of God toward us, should bring the praise of sacrifice in our hearts. And then how loud should we sing of God's righteousness that he has imputed to us in Christ? How should, not, how should we not <clears throat> sing of that by which we stand before him? It was his goodness that brought us to repentance, it was his goodness that brought us to Christ. And when we come, we see that we stand before a holy and a righteous God clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And so let us sing. When was the last time you remembered singing praises unto God for his great goodness and for his righteousness? And then look at verse 8. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. Here's another ground of praise and of thanksgiving. The fact bring forth the sacrifice of God, beloved. He's on the throne. He's telling us something. He said, get ready. I'm coming. Get ready. I'm coming. That's what he's telling us. And we should praise him for this. He has dominion over all the earth. Satan's not in con control. He is called the prince of the power of the air. He is called the king <coughs> of this earth. But, in that, that, but only in the realm of the unsaved, in the realm of darkness, in the realm of wickedness, is he, is he king. And he, he has no power but that what, what God will give him. And therefore we should praise him that his dominion is over all, throughout all generations. Beloved, we do not have to be afraid of anything. I refuse to walk scared. I will not walk scared. I don't care what comes. I will not walk scared. I'm going to believe that God is going to deal with, to take care of me, watch over me, and the rain comes on the just and the unjust, you know. And so does the rain, the, 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 the rain of his, of his penal punishment down here now, day by day. The righteous in all of these places that are being being hit by tornadoes and, and by uh, hurricanes and by uh, earthquakes. Some of God's people in all of these, when God's taken care of them, it's just the way that God has of taking them out to a better place for his namesake. And he tells us in Hebrews 13 there, he said, let your conversation be, let your behavior be without covetousness, don't grasp after the things of the world or the safety of the world. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. That you may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I shall not fear what man shall do unto me. What can he do? God's on the throne. And therefore we should praise him this morning then for his dominion throughout all generations. Yesterday I was working up a sermon. 
because this scripture came in the prayer room the other day and seemed like very pertinent for this hour. I didn't even know I was going to get it into this one. But in, in, in uh, Isaiah 26, 9, he says, For when the judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. In other words, when God begins to come in judgment, not that great last judgment from which there is no getting away, but the judgments upon the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. And how do we know how many God is going to turn to righteousness because of the judgments that he sends upon the earth? But we should give him praise and glory for all that he has in his plans and in his purpose. Let's cut out our murmuring and complaining because of the hardness of the way. Let's cut out, mur out murmuring and complaining because <clears throat> people do not want to have nothing to do with us. So people don't do things like we do. Let's forget all of that. Let's glorify God that he's bringing it all to pass for his glory. For when, the, when the, thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. And how do we know but that all of this is not going to turn by the grace of God to the salvation of sinners? How do we know that out of all of this that we see today in the judgments that are coming upon the earth, that God is not planning out of it a great revival, a great awakening, a great moving, a great turning unto the Lord. So let us praise him and thank him and give him glory to God. <clears throat> For we do know this one thing. He can't make a mistake. He his dominion is throughout all generations. Nothing takes him by surprise. I don't know whether you noticed it or not, and I'm a little bit of a weather bug ever since I moved up north and came back. When I was up there, I just loved to watch the phenomena of the weather, changing all the time. But I got to watching it, and of course, whether you know it or not, but I tracked the hurricanes that come across. And uh, I tracked Floyd. And I calculated when that thing got within 18 hours of the tip, it was moving on a straight course toward the tip of Florida, between the Florida, Florida in the Florida and the Keys. And I told my wife, I says, honey, give us 18 more hours on this course, and we're going to get that thing in the Gulf. We went six more hours on that course since she began to turn north. You know why? God sent over us a high. Drove it out. This last one, uh, Harold, it went through. We could have got that like an opal. If it had kept coming straight, it would have been like an opal because it would have picked up all that, that, that uh, warm water of the Gulf and just slashed into us. But you notice how quickly it turned because there was a high coming down at the exact time. It was over us that turned that thing east. Who did that? I didn't do it. God is in control throughout all. He has dominion throughout all generations. So we should praise him for whatever he does and however he does. And somebody asked me the other day, what would you do if one like Mitch would come through I said, I would do like I've done all the other five I've been through here since. We come over in the place of God's way he's put his name. Who's well, the pony get up to 175 miles an hour? Let it come. I want to be where God is. You won't get out of here? Ask Brother Robert if you can get out of here when a storm comes. He'll tell you. Hard to get out, isn't it? What am I trying to get over to you? I'm telling you, we can trust the Lord. Why? We should praise him, for he has dominion throughout all generations. And then from verses 14 through, <coughs> through 17 of Psalm 145, 
the Lord upholdeth all that, that, that fall and raiseth up all those that be bowed down. God's not going to leave us. And though we fall six times, he will pick us up the seventh time. Verse 15, the eyes of all wait upon thee, and thou givest them their meat in due season. I like that 104th Psalm. You ought to read it when you get home this afternoon. It's all about how God takes care of his creation with rain. How he feeds all <coughs> of his creatures. How he takes care of them. And if God is going to take care of the least of his creatures, and not a one, <coughs> not a sparrow falls to the ground without our Heavenly Father knowing all about it, how much more will he take <coughs> care of us? And how much more should we praise him? Sacrifice of praise. The eyes of all wait upon thee, and thou gavest them their meat in due season. Thou openest thine hand and satisfied the desire of every living thing. Our God is to be praised. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his works. I say we ought to give praise unto God. <clears throat> but he says, the Lord is righteous in all his ways. He can do no wrong. And holy in all his works. They all come from a holy hand. And they were spoken with a holy breath into existence. And then I love verse 18. It's ground for praise. The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him. To all that call upon him in truth. He is nigh them. Romans 10 tells us how close the word of faith is nigh thee, even in thy mouth, the word of faith which we preach. That's how close it is. The Lord is nigh to all them that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of them that fear him. He also will hear their cry and will save them. Brother, I'm utterly and completely dependent upon the Lord for all things. For everything. That's the reason he wants me to pour out my heart before him. He wants me to come cry unto him. For he said he would save me and have mercy upon me. And then look at verse 20. Shouldn't we praise him for this? The Lord preserveth all that love him. And if you're a child of God here this morning, you've got to love him. Because he has shed abroad the love of God in your heart by the Holy Spirit who has been given unto you. You should praise him. We should give him glory for this. The Lord preserveth all that love him, but all the wicked will be destroyed. We should tremble if we're not in Christ. We should tremble if we do not know the Lord, because God's hand is against the wicked. He will bring them to naught. He, do, he shall destroy them. And then verse 21, My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord, and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and forever. You ought to take that psalm and go over it and over it and watch and see how God, what God wants us to do. But I want you to turn with me to Psalm 47. And I want you to see something there. Verses 6 and 7 of, uh, of Psalm 47. Look at what he said. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises unto our king. Sing praises. The God is the king of all the earth. Sing ye praises with understanding. Four times in verse 6, he tells us to sing praises to our God and unto our king. Then one more time, he could not leave it alone. In verse 7, for God is the king of all the earth. Sing ye praises with understanding. And should we not praise him? Do you sing to him? In your devotion, whether you think anybody's listening or not, do you, do you sing to him? When you're alone, do you sing to him? We should sing praises unto our God. That's what he tells us to do. Not only offer up the, the, uh, 
the sacrifice of the lips, but sacrifice of the whole being as, it, as we go out to him in love. And he gives us <clears throat> that, that praise unto him. And this one's meant so much to me this week. Psalm 95. Psalm 90. Psalm 96. O sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing unto the Lord. Bless his name. Show forth his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the heathen, his wonders among all people. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. Beloved, isn't it a blessing for the glory of God to come out of our lips in praise to him? What would you rather do? Would you rather be cursing him? Vilifying him? Would you rather be bringing his name down in the gutter? and cursing him because of all that's come upon you? Or would you rather be singing praise unto his holy name? Singing praise unto God. I never forget a scene. I was in the hospital. I was back in on the second floor of the Baptist, what they call the Gold Coast. And I, they had finally got, up, got me up to walk. And I was passing by one of the rooms when... I heard the chaplain in there. And he was trying to tell the wife, trying to comfort them with the fact that this is of the Lord. He doeth all things well. And you should have heard the oath that came out of that woman's mouth. You contribute this to God? Would it have been better for her to praise God that she was hearing the truth and to give glory to God? and find out what God wanted her to do instead of corrupting his name and bringing it in ill repute. Then look at Psalm 95. Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is his. The sea is his. And he made it. And his hands formed the dry ground. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. And then the ninth verse of, of 96. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. God has given us this privilege, brethren, to praise him, to give glory unto him. Then as we come to that altar, we come in the name of Christ. We come in the shed blood of Christ. We come with praise and with thanksgiving. For what do we remember when we come there? We remember him who is the altar, Christ. We remember him who is the sacrifice, Christ. We remember him who is the sacrificer, and that was Christ. And we give glory unto him. We remember all that he's done for us. And we remember where he's put us and made us accepted in the beloved and seated at the right hand of the Father in the glory of Christ. But yet on the other hand, we hear those words in Psalm 22, 6, where the Lord Jesus cried from the cross, I am a worm and no man. What? The sacrifice is a worm. That's what he said. And we should be praising him and thanking him that he made himself of no reputation that he might take upon himself all of our sins that he might bring us to glory. We should praise him for this. We should praise him that he gave his face, his back to the smiters and his face to those who plucked off the beard. We should praise him that he deliberately and de and, and determined it, set his face like flint to go to Jerusalem for one purpose, that he bring, might bring many sons into glory 
by dying for them upon the cross. We should praise him who is the altar, the sacrifice and the sacrificer, because he gave himself for us. What an opportunity. What a time of praise and of thanksgiving. Can you think of anything greater? Tell me that you can get more enjoyment out of a beefsteak. Tell me you can get more enjoyment out of the pleasures of the world. They only last for a moment. But have you ever been in the presence of the living God when your heart has been set aflame and on fire and your heart goes out to him in love and you begin to praise him for all that he is and all that he's done for you? Would you take anything for those hours together or those five minutes or 50 minutes together? I wouldn't. I wait for those times and praise God for those times. I call them love visits when he comes to glory. We pray, he comes and we glorify him and we wait for the time when he shall come and be glorified in his saints. Oh, this is grounds for praise and for thanksgiving. When we remember that on the cross, he cried, Eli, Eli, and Lemesebectonai, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And why did he utter that fourth cry from the cross? For he knew that Leroy Shelton Jr. was going to live, and he was bearing Leroy Shelton Jr.'s sins, and he must be shut out from the very presence of the Father that I would not be shut out from his presence when I came before him as a poor sinner and nothing at all, and needed, his, needed him his salvation and his grace and his mercy and his love and his blood to cleanse me and his righteousness to cover me. Oh, beloved, have we not got grounds for praise? Our hearts should go out to him in love like never before as we come by him to the Father, as we come through him to the Father, as we come calling upon his precious name. You want a good exercise this afternoon? Take the last five psalms. They're all praise psalms. And go through them. And rejoice. Or if you can do what I did, if you've got a Nave's topical Bible, they're all written out for you. You can get all the praise scriptures in the Bible. It tells us why we should praise the Lord. And how we should praise him as we come before him <clears throat> day by day. Looking unto Jesus, the author, and finisher of our faith. And I close with this. One verse of scripture I got to read you. It's found in Revelation chapter 8 and verse 3. Another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer and there was given him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. You know what our high priest is doing right now? He is offering that incense. He is offering with our prayers all the years that it goes up to the Father. He said, you see those folks down there? They want to praise me this morning. So let them praise, Father. Hear their prayers, hear their cries as it goes out unto thee. And beloved, remember next time you come to pray, as you come in the name of Christ and in the person of Christ, for he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Remember, the, the Son is there as our great high priest. He's mixing our prayers with the incense from off the altar, and those prayers are going up in the nostrils of God as a sweet-smelling sacrifice in his nostrils as we give him glory. Will you remember that? Will you remember that? Will you praise him for that? Will you rejoice in him for what he's done? what he's doing, that you can come into his presence <clears throat> through that new and living way, obtaining forgiveness of sins, 
obtaining that daily grace that is needed for you to go on and remembering he promised me he'll never leave me nor forsake me. Now you want me to tell you all something? It wasn't until five o'clock yesterday afternoon. I was trying to get a text, I was trying to get a message on that text in Isaiah 26, 9. And at five o'clock I just gave up. And I said, Lord, I had really put put aside this message on praise. <clears throat> I said, I just bowed my head and I cried to my Heavenly Father in Christ. And I said, Father, Oh, my Lord Jesus, you've never failed me, and you're not going to fail me now. What's needed for tomorrow? And just, my child, you had it all week, and you tried to change it. And then it began to flow by the grace of God. Why am I telling you that? He's never failed to hear. He's never failed to give what is needful. And so we praise him. Should I stop praising him now after all he's done for me? Should I stop praising him now? No. So you need this Savior. You need this Lord. If you're here this morning without him, there's not one way but to come to him, and that's just as you are. Come to him, casting yourself upon him, crying for mercy, pleading his precious blood. That blood was shed for the remission of our sins. And us who are saved, let's praise God for that blood. And it's there upon the mercy seat. And, and in Hebrews 12, it says that that, that blood is crying, it speaks for us there. Better things in the blood of Abel. The blood of Abel cried for vengeance. The blood of Christ cried, is crying mercy. Mercy, a ransom has been found, let the sinner go free. So let us praise him and rejoice in him and give him glory. Will you?